Hello and welcome back to week five of the Turbo Team podcast. And we have a special announcement. As always, I'm Jake Brend, your host. And alongside me today, co-host Ben Neeson. Whoa. I'm here too. Alex, Alex is, is still here. here but is still Ben here. has... Ben has moved up to the ranks. I'm moving up equal. in the world. He's equal to both Alex and I, and he has authority equal with both of us. I'm going to destroy you from within. Once once a guest and now a host. How are you doing, Ben? Oh, you know, same as always, just living it up in this hot April night. What? <laughs> it's not hot out <laughs> Well, my fan's off. Oh, turn it up. <laughs> Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Jake. How are you? Oh, I'm pretty good. My room is also hot, but for the betterment of the podcast, I don't have my fan on. Well, you didn't just take a hot shower, so what's the <laughs> hot damn hot <laughs> shower? Hot shower, hot water. <laughs> so today we watched the 2020 Best Picture winner... Parasite, a film directed by Bong Joon-ho. Bong Joon-ho. Yeah, we're going to have a hard time with the names. And it's about, or it's a Korean film, a poor family pretty much infiltrating a rich family and manipulating their way to getting jobs in the family by getting the other employees fired. And they pretty much just con their way into, into positions of wealth. And that's just the very brief overview of it. We'll go a little more in depth with it, but just initially, I know Alex and I watched this for the first time. Ben saw it in theaters. We'll go to Alex first. What were your just initial thoughts on watching it just a couple hours ago? Uh, well, actually, when I turned it on, I didn't like. I read, I knew, I, I read the like synopsis of like the plot on Wikipedia, and like you're not Wikipedia, like you just Google Parasite and it's like gives you like the plot. So I read that and I still didn't really like understand what the movie was about. So I went into it like almost completely like no idea of what to expect. And uh and so I like watching every every scene I didn't I wasn't like anticipating anything. I didn't have any spoilers for it either. So I, I went into it completely like no idea what I'm about to watch and I I, I wasn't disappointed at all. It was a phenomenal movie. <laughs> Yeah, I also had uh, no idea really what it was about going into it. Like, I, I read kind of the plot synopsis, and I even watched the trailer. And the trailer does a really good job of not really giving anything away. But unfortunately, when I did Google Parasite on the, like, this is going to be a spoiler podcast, but on the, like... All of our podcasts are spoiler podcasts. We review movies and TV. Yeah. Fans <laughs> But anyways, like the the Google like ask questions, it was like, what year was Parasite filmed in? Did Parasite win Best Picture? And then it was, why did the dad stab the dad of the Park family? I'm like, okay, whatever. Like that was the third question, and I wasn't Jeez. even like looking for it. But even then, it was still almost a spoiler in how it happened, like in the movie, and we'll get into that more. But other than the biggest spoiler of the movie, I had no idea what to expect going in. Ben, how many times have you seen it now? I've seen this movie about three and a half times. It is, it's really well made. 
I just like I first initially watched it in November or whenever its American release finally made it to Des Moines. And I watched it with a friend of the podcast, Nate Magic, and we were all just blown away. I mean, that was a really fantastic film. I had trouble convincing my brother to come with, but he reluctantly did. And he was freaking out and, like, gripping the chair and was, like, really invested in the movie. I was supposed to go to that, movie. too. No I think cares, I was, but... too. I, I was supposed to go, but I think I got, I got sick that night, so I didn't. Yeah. But... I just really enjoyed like seeing that movie early on. It's just very well made. I mean, enough praise has been heaped upon it since it won its Oscar in February. But before that, I was just singing its praises to other uh, some other friends of mine, trying to convince them to watch it, showing it to friends in college, showing it to my parents here back home, just trying to like show people like that this is a really good movie, and we that. can live in. a we can live in a world without Black Widow in theaters. You're you're that guy. You're like, no, have you seen Parasite? You gotta watch Parasite. No, no. <laughs> have you seen Parasite? You gotta watch Parasite. I actually did that like at the University you're of Iowa. Guy. I did that at the University of Iowa, and then like a cinema like major was like, oh, you've seen Parasite, so you've seen Okja, right? And I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so more about Parasite. <laughs> yeah, I tried to come back to that. But yeah, what just were your thoughts good. on it? What were your thoughts on it, Jake? Just like, what'd you like, what'd you didn't like? I I loved it, and I think the part that I liked most, obviously the cinematography was incredible, the story was awesome, very unpredictable, the tone of it was awesome, but I think the part that I liked the most was probably the message. Just mm-hmm. that in like today's world, it takes so much more than just hard work to be rich and wealthy and successful, because this... The family, the Kim family, which is the poor family in this, it it showed pretty early just how hardworking they were as a family, but they were just still getting fired. They were still like losing income. They were on the brink of losing their house. They didn't have Wi-Fi connection unless they bummed it off of a local restaurant or a neighbor. So it did a very good job in the beginning of showing what poverty looks like over in Korea. And then, honestly, I didn't exactly know what was going on just the first 20 minutes of the movie. Also, having it, it takes a while to get used to the subtitles as far as, like, emotion goes and as far as, like, facial expression goes. But we'll get into that in a bit. But then, as soon as they infiltrate the park house and it shows them being successful and it shows them having wealth... And then as soon as, like, it all falls together or falls apart, like, that's just it's such a good message of, like, the dangers of wealth in the world, which I think is a huge problem right now in America. And you just see how I think probably my favorite, like, part of the entire movie was when three members of the family are lying under the table and the youngest park kid, I can't think of his name, was outside in a waterproof toy tent while their house was being like flooded by sewage water. Like just that, like that puts it into perspective, just like how much wealth the family had opposed to how poor the other family was and how blind the rich family was to it. Yeah. That kid, the song had it coming. <laughs> the song. Yeah. Uh, I think he deserved that part, both seizures. I was, I was, uh, I, about the hour mark, 
like until like the very end. Like the first the, the the one negative I had about the movie was it started out really fast. Like I was like when it started out I was like you said I was getting used to the subtitles and the emotions and then like I had no idea. I was like really confused at what was going on in the beginning. And then up until the point where uh where he uh Kevin uh Kiwu, I think. I'm going to mispronounce the name, so I apologize. Uh, Kiwu, Kiwo, uh, when he, when he talks the park, the, the park mother into hiring his sister who he claims is, you know, some, like a friend, like his cousin's friend or something from America that like went to Illinois state, like up until that part, I was like really confused the whole time, but I was still enjoying it. I was just kind of confused to like who is who, who is what. Uh, so it's, so other, that was my only probably negative, but that part from like an hour to the very, very end, I was like on the edge of my seat the whole time. Like the part where like they're hiding under the, or the family, the, uh, the Kim family is hiding in the house when the park family gets home from the camping trip and they're all like trying to like avoid the, uh, the, the park family. That was like, I was like antsy the whole time. I was like, oh no, they're going to find them. And then they don't, that, I don't know that part, that, that whole, like hour was just amazing yeah just just overall the the entire movie's incredible but the last half of the movie is really what makes it as soon as the housekeeper yeah yeah, when when the housekeeper shows up at the door that's where it really does pick up but i i enjoyed the entire actually my favorite part of the movie comes right before that but i enjoyed like the entire like I want to say like heist type thing just with the family one by one getting in there, but we'll get into that with my favorite scene later. What were some other things you liked other than, I guess just the message and the suspense of it. Uh, the cinematography was amazing. Like they had lots of very, like, like very good shots that could explain so much while still just looking like fantastic. Like the initial and, final shot i believe where it shows the level street of their semi-basement and like the little like um dream catcher of like drying socks mm-hmm. like it just shows like the environment that they're in in a very visually pleasing manner and that whole rain sequence where they're trying to rescue all of their items from their house as the uh, semi-basement is flooding is just shot incredibly well with the daughter just like climbing up and like smoking a cigarette like on top of the uh, exploding toilet with the water like at her chest or whatever like that's a very good shot and then the overhead pan of them pushing like what they could manage to get out with like over a mattress like in an overhead Mm -hmm. shot while like the whole street is flooded was just like all like awe-inspiring to look at yeah i'm I'm just gonna add that that shot on the mattress flowing like through the the sewage Mm -hmm. river might have been my favorite shot of the movie. It was so just dark, but so like visually pleasing at the same time. I I agree. I think Bong Joon Ho does a phenomenal job. I don't think there was a single wasted shot in this entire movie. Like when we were talking about uh uh Spotlight a couple of weeks ago, I I mentioned that there's a few times where I was like, okay, there that shot doesn't really need to be in here. It's kind of like there's kind of fill time, but with Parasite, I felt like every shot served its purpose and it had like a little mini message behind it, you know. I just every shot I felt Bong Joon-ho did a good job of like this needs to be in here for this purpose. Uh 
Uh, my favorite shot was probably every time they're behind the couch facing the yard. I think. Yeah. I think that was my favorite shot. I think if you like line them all up, like it's like every every single one of those shots in throughout the movie, I think it would be a completely different shot. Does that make sense? So like once it would be like the birthday party at the end, or like once it would be like when when uh, the the youngest part kid is sitting out in the in his tent, the rainy forest, or like when it's uh. When uh, the the old the uh, Kim Sung the son of Kim was just sitting uh, like in the yard when his parents were just chilling on the couch when the Park family was out. I just think every shot behind that couch into that yard is just so great and so powerful, and it like it it evolves throughout the movie. I really enjoyed it, like watching that progression. Yeah. So another another shot that's not exactly what you're talking about, but it's very similar. So towards the end, when the housekeeper's husband has the knife and is walking out towards the birthday party and outside Mm -hmm. you see just like a bunch of candles balloons like it looks like a birthday party everyone's having fun and then you just see like the visually dark um housekeeper's husband carrying a knife and then the the park daughter carrying out kevin from behind so just like that entire sequence where it's so dark in the house and there's so much like murder and violence going on. And then everyone outside is just completely oblivious because they're all, they're all rich and really have no idea what, what it's like to be poor. I think that's how I took that, like that entire sequence. Jake, you and me, we had a cut. We talked before we started filming, uh, but this movie under Hulu is listed as a comedy. I think there was a couple of times I chuckled, but it was, this was probably the darkest comedy I've ever seen. I wouldn't consider <laughs> I wouldn't consider this a comedy. The whole genre labeling process is so jank nowadays because it can reach in so many different directions. I don't know. I think if, if there's one direction it isn't though, it's a comedy. Yeah, I <laughs> Well, you know, okay, I, I take that back. I think there are I think we we talk about the message is like you know the rich are oblivious to what's beneath them you know that's kind of the main uh, the kind of one of the bigger messages in it but i think I, I think that the message it can be considered a comedy even if the movie isn't funny does that make sense yeah like yeah. like like when parasite was like on the trail like before it got best picture and it was like on its campaign to like to get best picture like you would see people talking about where like if you didn't get parasite then you're a part of the problem you know it's like if you didn't understand the message behind it then you're part of the problem and i think that's where the comedy part of it comes it's like if you watch this movie you're like oh it's just some stupid foreign film i had to read subtitles the whole time it's like all right well you didn't understand it and then that's funny in its own right so if that's what bong joon ho meant by it being a comedy then yeah but if they list as a comedy just because they have jokes in it then i would disagree i'd agree with that statement what do you think was the funniest part? Because I I know my answer. Uh, the funniest part. Maybe when uh when uh the the park mom uh what's her name Neon Ku I want to I really want to get the names right, but it's just uh, they're hard to pronounce because I don't speak Korean. But uh when she's showing Jessica up to meet uh Day Song or whatever the youngest son and they they walk in and he's got like the arrow sticking out of his butt. I think that's probably the funniest part. That's just an immature, funny thing I found. Ben? I missed the question. Repeat, please. What What's was the your... funniest? What was your... What did? What part did you find the funniest? The funniest? <laughs> I don't know. There's so many laughs to 
divide and think about. Definitely the part where he massacres everyone at the party. <laughs> oh no, the the hardest I laughed <laughs> wasn't even a joke. It was like when uh, the the song is opening up his cake or eating his cake, and it cuts to the stairway, and it just shows like <laughs> the ghost of like not the ghost, but just the husband the of the housekeeper just walking up the stairs, and it's just his eyes like. <laughs> super white against the whole black background (laughs) when i first saw that i didn't i wasn't scared at all i was just laughing just because of how funny (laughs) dude that scared me i don't know you did i don't know you found that funny yeah i don't know how but like what they did with that like single shot and that single storyline is almost more horrifying than any horror movie like can try to do I think just, that shot is so, like, creepy is because, like, his eyes, like, slowly rise up, and, like, it's just a door, what, and then you, like, notice it, and you're like, whoa, and it's just, like, <laughs> there's, he's got those wide eyes and just staring at you. It was, and fuck, it was intense. <sighs> I thought, I thought the funniest part was when, <laughs> in the big fight scene with the housekeeper and her husband and the Kim family, and when they grab the peach... And just like <laughs> rubbed it all over her face, like that was that was like the type of dark comedy that I think Ho was going for in this movie. Like obviously, it's not exactly like hilarious, but just in the in the sense of the movie and in the moment of the movie, I, I thought that part was just so funny. And it it's just a testament to like the making of this movie because that isn't funny if it's not a payoff to earlier. And that was yeah. a payoff to the entire heist. It was a payoff to the whole plan to get into the park house. It wasn't just like, oh, they grabbed a peach and found out she was allergic to it. It it was built up through very creative storytelling and, like you like, said, it was very a unique good weapon to use in that situation. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think the cinematography with the peach specifically, like that's one of the best parts of the movie. Just <laughs> call me by your name. <laughs> <laughs> We'll be reviewing that next week. <laughs> Actually, one thing that I didn't get to talk about when we were talking about the cinematography and how this movie was shot, it's important to note just how little, like how very little scenes that or uh, settings they had in this movie. So they had the mm-hmm. house and then they had the Kim home or the Kim basement, I should say. And then they had like very limited shots out in like the market, out at stores, out in the streets yeah. But with that limited setting, they made it feel like an entire world. And they did they did an incredible job at that. The park house is beautiful too. It's like an insanely like cool house. So yeah. it, like just I don't know. I think like it made it interesting for me to watch just looking at the house because like, oh I'd love to live there. That like I said, that backyard is phenomenal. I would have, you know, loved to just have that view every day. I read in an interview that uh Bong Jun Ho uh, wanted to write write the story and create a house so that it was its own little universe universe in which each of the characters knows each of its own spot around. Like, mm-hmm. the son is used to being in the daughter's room, and he knows where she keeps her diary, and that's where he goes to hide. Uh, the daughter knows about uh, DeSong's room and the little, like, whole, like, Indian room that he has. And that's her area of expertise. And then the housekeeper, the wife who's a housekeeper, knows the basement really well. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was an interesting take to have. Well, like, it's one house, but it's more than just a house. It's 
<laughs> this is the tagline for Monster House. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Week six on the Turbo Team podcast. <laughs> Monster House. The 2008 <laughs> film Monster House. <laughs> so do you guys want to talk it's about the ending? Awards. Uh, Which part? Like, So let's start. Just before the massacre at the birthday party, like from there on, what do you think of like? Do you mean like the last hour? I'd say the like montage setting up for the party. No, like as soon as the housekeeper's husband is going out to the yard. So that's probably the last. Oh, minutes. so as soon as he walks out of the basement. Yeah. Okay. What do you think okay. of like that last part? Uh. Do you want to start with the part where he kills Kevin? He doesn't kill Kevin. Well, well when he, he attempts to. Viciously yeah, we we can start stones there. Him. We can start with so, Kevin going downstairs. So with yeah. the rock. So why does I I confuse me? But was he like feeling guilty? Is that why he walked down there with that rock? Because I don't no. think he was walking down there to kill him. I th- I took it as he was going down there to kill him. I, I mean, what else would he be going down to do there with the rock? I, I took it as he felt guilty, and he because because when Sorry he walked about your wife, and, here's a present. Well, because when you well he, he they didn't know that she was dead. I think the only one that knew she was like I don't none of them knew she was dead because she didn't die until like after Kevin went down there. Yeah. Because she got it. She had like a terrible concussion. But uh, when Kevin walked down there with the rock, well, he drops the rock. First off, big mistake, and then. He walks down there and he sees the house, the maid, and she's like laying there. And he's like, he keeps asking her, like, are you okay? Are you okay? I like, I think if he was going down there to kill him, you wouldn't care, you know? I think he would have just picked up the rock and smashed her head. I think that he went down there to kill them, but I think as soon as he saw the housekeeper on the floor, like, passed out or dead, I think he, like, felt a sense of guilt and, like, his mind might have changed there. But I think his intention of going down there wasn't wasn't out of guilt. I think it was just wanting to kill him. Yeah, because he was talking before he was clutching the rock. And the, there's a great uh, behind-the-screenplay video about how the rock is supposed to symbolize the wealth that he's not destined to achieve. Mm-hmm. And how it's a dream that he holds on to and is clinging to, but finally realizes that he can't ever get to in a situation. And he's all he's clinging on to that when they're in the gym the night before, and he's saying that I'm sorry, like I'm sorry, Dad, this is my fault. I got us into this. I should be the one to uh, fix this. And like that's what he says to the daughter before he goes downstairs initially. Yeah. Yeah. So moving so, on to the massacre, um, what did you guys just think of that scene in general? Like the um, three separate stabbings. I thought I I didn't expect them to die, any of them to die. I expected I don't honestly I didn't really know what I expected going into it. Like I'll be honest, I don't I don't I didn't really I was just kind of watching. I didn't really I wasn't expecting anything because I could see it going both ways. I think I think Bong Joon Ho is the type of director not to like have everyone like a happy ending though. I think he wants people. To, I think he enjoys showing people. You know, like how the real world is, and by killing off like almost two of them, I think it's he's showing that like we we don't get a happy ending, and I think that's kind of a kind of shown throughout the whole movie is like not everything's like easy going, you know. And so I didn't, I mean, 
I, I didn't really know what to expect. I thought it was I, I was on the, like I said I was on the edge of my seat that whole last hour, so I was just kind of waiting for something to happen. Yeah the 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 fact that we didn't get a happy ending. This is admittedly the first um, Bong Joon home movie that I've seen, but I did read that one thing he loves to do in his movies is have the characters start or end the movie right where they started. Mm-hmm. So you saw them start at poverty and then rise up to wealth, but then just by the end of the movie they're in the exact same spot, just worse off because they've they've lost two family members. The so Star Wars I, sequels. <laughs> yeah, pretty Jeez. much. <laughs> Wait, where was the rise in the Star Wars sequels? <laughs> uh, uh, the Phantom Menace. The throne room where they kill all the fools in a one take shot. That's fair. <laughs> but yeah, the the Kim dad started off with no job, very clearly depressed and poor, and ended the movie no job, locked in a dungeon, and very clearly depressed. So I just thought it was it was incredible storytelling because even though like all these characters grew so much during the movie by the end they either died or they ended up in the exact same spot that they were before it started. I thought the scene in the beginning where they're folding the pizza boxes and then that guy's like spraying like the, the bug repellent, you know? Yeah. And then the dad's like, just leave the window open. And then like he, the guy sprays it into the house and they're all like coughing. And then the dad's just sitting there like intensely, just like folding the boxes, trying not to let it get to him. I thought like instantly in that moment, we found out like, what the dad's care, what the Kim dad's character was, you know, like he was like very intent on like getting his job done and not letting anything affect him. And I think in the end, what ultimately was his downfall was he let stuff affect him. And that was the smallest thing of just the park, the park dad saying that he had a smell to him that he didn't care for, you know? And I think that ultimately was what pushed him over the edge and kind of made him, you know, do what he did. Was there anything that you guys didn't particularly like about the movie? Uh, I didn't have anything coming in, but you just reminded me. Um, I think the ending was very important in wrapping up all that had happened because it was obviously pretty chaotic after the party. But the ending really dragged on. They had a few fake out different endings and a long narration segment that made lots of good points and was a good extension of the story. But in execution, it kind of slowed down the pace of that really high pace ending. I think they could have ended it with just the uh, the Kim dad uh, just leaving, you know. Like I think they could have just ended it there. Um, that'd be ideal to have it end on like that high note of that yeah. party. It wasn't really but a high note because so at that moment we think three people just died. Yeah, I'm, I get pretty excited about that. Uh, <laughs> but. <laughs> Oh yeah, don't forget the son, who's probably mine. Eh, is just he's gonna need therapy for years. Yeah, after we that. didn't we didn't really after that we found out like how the Kim's family story kind of ended, but we didn't find out anything about the Parks family. Like we knew, you know, the dad was murdered, but like we don't know what we just know that they moved. That's it. They're poor now. They don't have any income. I'm sure he had a good life insurance. <laughs> Dave Ramsey. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, but I just think that ending dragged on, even though it was definitely worth worth it story-wise in execution. It was just kind of slow. Yeah, I tend to uh, agree. Uh, do you guys think it was worthy of Best Picture? Yes. I saw okay. 1917, and I, I really liked it. The cinematography in that was probably even better with Roger Deakins. Mm-hmm. But just by, like, I'd say slightly. I think I would give it to Parasite. But this this whole this whole draft <laughs> draft class, uh, this whole movie list is stacked though. It's Marriage Story, Jojo Rabbit, Little Women, Once Joker. Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, Shut Up Jake, uh, Ford vs Ferrari, Ford vs Ferrari, Seventeen, and when I Joker. come out, can you introduce me as Joker? So this this was a really good. I don't know if it was just because I only didn't I didn't see 1917. I'll probably will eventually. I'm never gonna watch Ford vs Ferrari. I don't care if you pay me. I'm never gonna watch it. <laughs> and then I and then I'm probably gonna see Little Women. So I've seen only I only haven't seen three of these. I is Parasite best picture? I really liked Marriage Story. Like I really really like Marriage Story. So I don't know if I can confidently say that I would think Parasite wins, but. I'm not mad at the pick. Well, like, okay, like, we know you're not mad at it, but, like, just in a two-second estimation, what do you think should win, just off of your personal preference? I I loved them both, but I think I would have picked Marriage Story. Okay. And I already know I, what Jake's going to pick, so I'm not going to ask. Ford versus Ferrari. Joker. I saw all of these except for Little Women, and I still got to say... Why did you watch Ford versus Ferrari? My parents put it on, and I wasn't doing anything, and I love what? me some John Bernthal, so I watched that it. That looks terrible. What did it get? Oh, how did it get a 92 and run to me? It looked awful. You haven't even watched it, dog. It looks terrible, man. You didn't recommend it to me, so I know it's Don't not even good. fib yourself, bro. Don't even Little fib Pinocchio. yourself. You definitely are into it. Okay, Pinocchio. Oh, Pinocchio. Uh, go uh, watch Good Neighbor stuff. We'll, uh, review but, one of the, we'll review all of those skits one day. I don't know. I really like Parasite, though. I thought – I think I liked Marriage Story. I think it, I think in Marriage Story, it was Adam Driver's performance that really set the deal for me. I think that's that's what pushed it over the hump of I think it was deserving of Best Picture. But, like, if Marriage Story won it – if even the Irishman won it, I wouldn't have been mad. If Joker didn't win, I wouldn't have been mad. I really loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. If that one, I wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't be mad at any of these for winning except for Ford versus Ferrari, to be honest. I don't know. I don't think Joker was quite to the level of any of these movies. I thought, okay, I think <laughs> Joker was hot. good, but but it was the people that, like was like obsessed with Joker that like people kind of got tired of it, you know cuz Joker had a lot of good scenes and like the like and like the story was interesting Joaquin Phoenix was phenomenal in it I thought Joker was good it's just I think the fans were just obsessed with it kind of annoyed people I thought it was good but not best picture good but yeah teach their own Ben what mm-hmm. what did you think deserved it um like I said, I was a little bit biased since of all of these, the only one I've seen three and a half times is Parasite. I'm not going to watch Irishman three and a half times. Um, Jeez, but... It's like almost a whole day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I could watch Joe Pesci be old and young. <laughs> but 
I really think that Parasite deserved it, like, honestly. Even though the Twitter stands were going crazy just because they love them some Parasite. And I don't know if you <laughs> paid attention to any of that, but that kind of got toxic to a point. But I honestly believe that, like, Parasite was the best movie of last year, even though it was a very strong year. I don't think Parasite... Also, I don't think a lot of people were mad about it, and the only people that were mad about it either hadn't seen it or were just mad that it was, a, or just arrogant and mad that a foreign film won. You know, <laughs> they had to but read like, subtitles. Yeah, unless they're like arrogant and didn't want to watch a foreign film with subtitles, or they just hadn't seen it. I don't think anyone was really upset with it. I think, I think a lot of people thought it was cool that a foreign film won. I, I personally, that's what I thought. I hadn't seen it. I didn't really have any a strong opinion about it, so I just I thought it was like I wasn't mad because I thought it was cool. If, like it's the first foreign film ever to win uh, the an Oscar. Like no no other film as long as like I think the Oscar been around for like 70 years. Oh 92 years was this past season. So I mean I thought it was just cool to see. I wasn't mad about it. I thought I think only people that were kind of arrogant to the whole thing were mad about Parasite winning. Yeah, those people probably voted for Green Book. I heard Green Book was terrible. Not terrible, but I just heard it's like it was like It's not terrible. It's just like a very well produced Lifetime movie. It's got Mahershala Ali though, and I really love me some Mahershala Ali. Watch True Detective season three. So we've already we've already probably covered most of these, but did either of you have a favorite scene that we might have already talked about? Um, I. So my favorite scene probably would have been – it was kind of a long scene, but it was right when the Park family gets home and then the Kim, uh, the the mom is making like the dim – what did she call it? It wasn't dim sung. It was like Ram-dom. the noodle dish. Yeah, Modong or whatever. Ooh, there's a, there's an underlying symbolism behind that that I'll get to. Later. Yeah, I know. I saw the binging with Babish episode too. <laughs> but I thought uh, – I thought while she was making that and the dad was like trying to dispose of the bodies in the basement and then the the daughter was hiding under the table and then the son was hiding under the bed. I thought that was probably my favorite scene just because like like I didn't like at any second you thought that like they could be discovered and then, you know, the whole thing's up after that. So I thought that was probably I think that was probably my favorite scene. I think my favorite scene. So this is after the first three members of the Kim family get a job. And they're planning for the mom to get a job as the housekeeper. Mm-hmm. And just the way that they tell the story. Um, so they show. I, I don't even know how to, how to describe. It. They show it through so many different lenses. They show it through the lens of Kevin. And they show it through the lens of the daughter. And they show it through the lens of the father all being in the house. And then they also show from the housekeeper. And all, all while doing this, it's just the dad practicing his lines it's not mm-hmm. actually happening and just just the way that they told that story and i think it was um 50 different shots in five minutes yeah. and they you, that entire montage was just so just so amazing did you watch that video essay on the montage too i did <laughs> yeah you did <laughs> we'll give uh, video credit ben you go to uh what, what was your favorite scene and i'll find that video to give him some credit I'm pretty sure it was like Nerd Rider behind the screenplay or something like that. Oh, Nerd Rider's Nerd Rider's dope. I love Nerd Rider. Oh uh, yeah, totally dog. Shut up. Um, <laughs> uh, my favorite. Okay, I don't know if this is my favorite 
scene. It's like it pretty much is my favorite scene, but because of like the ten seconds that it entails. It's when the uh, housekeeper and her husband are holding the Kim family hostage, per se, when they're having them hold their hands up and, like, are just mm-hmm. cracking jokes and are, like, holding them, like, detained against the wall. And they just become so uh, enveloped in their own memories and just in their own arrogance that they believe that like oh this is our house this was our house and now we have it back because we have the upper hand so now my husband can live here and they're having a memory about just sipping tea and then it's like there's just a quick cut there's not a cut but the two of them suddenly just look at the camera with like wide eyes and then it cuts back from it flashes back from that memory and it shows the family charging at them when they weren't paying attention and I just think that was very well executed and just how it showed like the shock and surprise and the shift of attention from their memory back to the current situation. And I just thought that was very well done. So I was kind of the, the one part I was kind of confused on. So why was the husband in the basement? Lone he sharks. was. Ex- yeah, he was escaping lawn sharks. Okay, that's what I, I that's what I thought, but I just wanted clarification. Why did they lock him in there? Cause like he said he hadn't been out in four years, but there's that frying pan was lodged under, so no one could open it. Well, that just slipped down there. It was like an accident or something. Oh, okay, okay, makes sense. All right, do you want to get into our fun fact question, Jake? Yeah, I can, I can go first. go first. So this is one segment that we did kind of earlier in the show, but kind of forgot. As we went along, but we're but we're bringing it back this week. So we're asking a fun fact in the form of a question about the movie, and we're gonna try and see if we can answer it. So my fun fact is, where did the inspiration from this film come from? Um, it's a personal experience. I think I That's know this. Was it? It, I don't know, probably something from Bong Joon-ho's childhood. Ooh, I have the Wikipedia up. I think I saw it on here. No, that doesn't count. Well, I read it earlier today, and I remember okay, saying Okay, well, then like just that. take a bad guess, because then you're going to ruin it. Um, I don't even know. Okay, I don't, I don't care. Yeah, you just say it. So, Bong Joon-ho worked as a tutor for a rich family when he was in college, and he often felt like he was an outsider and kind of spying on the family. That's cool. Uh, so, so my fun fact question is, uh, who wrote and sang the closing song of the cre- in the credits? Ooh, that's it. That's a I mean, it's two. It's two different people. There, one one person wrote it, one sang it. <clears throat> Are they Korean? Yes. I have no idea. Ben, the music guy? Jeff Chang. Okay. Uh, Ben's right. No, I'm just kidding. So Bong Joon-ho wrote it, and then uh, Woseek Cho, the guy that played Kevin, he sang it. Oh. So. Huh. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool. Ben, do you have a fun fact question? Uh, Yeah, guess what? What? Purple. Uh, no, actually, 
That was incredibly unfunny. <laughs> it was a, <laughs> that was a freaking Crystalia quote, dog. Um, oh, my yeah. fun fact was that due to the success of the film, uh, Sony and uh, the tourist department in Seoul, Korea, where the film was shot, are trying to set up plans for a tourist attraction where they can where fans can experience the parasite experience where they where they walk around and see where the film was shot and tour the house and then and a homeless have, man comes out and murders one of the group members yes yeah they, so if you don't. are if you are an extremely wealthy person listening to the turbo team podcast <laughs> we would love for a booster to send us to the site of her site. We'll do a we'll do a live action recreation of one of our wealthy <laughs> listeners sends us to Seoul, Korea to visit the set. No, but like it's it's catching flack because the movie's all about class struggle and how about lower class families are struggling to get by and then they're just exploiting that by touring the lower class neighborhoods where they were shot. And, like, all the residents there hate it, and it's catching flack for that. If one of our Korean li- South, South South Korean listeners would like to tour the house and send us pictures and tag us on social media, we'll give you a shout-out. <laughs> okay, so this is totally unrelated to Parasite, but I was watching season six of Community, and I don't know if you've seen this episode, Ben, but, um, so, Jeff Wenger gives, um, the Dean a fake number... But that fake number is like um, some like teenager in South Korea. So he he's <laughs> texting. <laughs> Dean thinks he's having a conversation with Jeff, but he's having a conversation with the South Korean kid. And he's like, um, oh, yes, Dean. And he's not speaking any English at all. Bring me olives. <laughs> so that Dean brings Jeff olives and Jeff's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I knew you'd be confused, but I know you'd like it. <laughs> <laughs> i watched it on the same night so <laughs> that about does it for our parasite talk um watch it if you haven't it's on hulu best picture winner you will not regret watching it it's a great film it won best screenplay too i think yep so. and best director i think yeah it won it won all the important awards for a movie yeah. So I don't have anything else on it unless you guys have any parting thoughts about the movie. I do not. Well, in that case, we'll get into our April viewings. And this is something that we started last month. Alex got it from a YouTuber. I can't uh, remember his name. Uh, shout out Carson Runquist on uh, YouTube. But yeah, pretty much we just are going over what movies that we watched in the month of April – um, TV shows also and documentaries and pretty much anything important that we watched. Let's go to the new guy first. Ben, what did you watch in April? Um, April and March kind of blended together. I'm kind of known for my terrific memory. So I'm just going to name a couple ones that I'm pretty sure were in the month of March. Um, <laughs> ben, I watched April. <laughs> April, I mean. April. Dog. Don't talk about March. <laughs> Uh, it's such never, a great podcast. <laughs> <laughs> very well structured. Our fans love it. Um, so, yeah, in the last month, I've watched A Good Time, a film by the Safdie brothers. I watched 21 and Over, 
my new favorite <laughs> mid two thousands comedy that has to do with high school slash college kids. Jeff Chang. Jeff Chang. Um, I watched Killing Them Softly. It looked interesting, but it came out kind of bland. Wait, who is um, that one? That's with Brad Pitt, uh, Ray Liotta. Oh, okay. It's on Netflix. It's got a. Uh, it's got the uh the guy from season three of True Detective, the dad. Ben Mendelsohn. No, it's like Scott Buster McNary or something. Scott McNary. Yeah, Scott McNary. That's what it is. Um, I started watching Blue Velvet. I'm halfway through that. It's a David Lynch film. If any of you guys are Twin Peaks fans out there. Um, I also watched Killing of a Sacred Deer. It's a Yargos Lanthimos movie, who's one of my new favorite directors. He's done The Favorite and also The Lobster. And I think he's just a great director. It's a very unsettling movie. I also watched The Big Short and Adam McKay movie. And I'm halfway through Okja, which is a Bon Joon-ho movie that I just started off on. And along with that, I also watched Euphoria on HBO and Succession Yay. on HBO which is Adam McKay's uh, film series about a struggling corporate family and includes my boy Kieran Culkin in it. And he's just fantastic in that movie, in that series. So, yeah. Sounds like a solid month. Yeah, yeah thanks. Solid two months because he can't remember everything from this <laughs> month. Okay, I'm pretty sure it was in the last month. Well, Ben Ben wasn't here for what he watched in March, so I guess I'll let him slide on this one. Those were Alex. in April. <laughs> Shut up, Ben. All right, so what I, I only I didn't watch a whole lot in April. I've been watching a lot more of like I've been listening to a lot more podcasts and just watching TV shows, and so that's and so that's kind of how I spend my time uh, as opposed to watching movies. So the the first movie I watched on April first was one that I kind of was excited to watch, and it was Perks of Being a Wallflower, starring. Uh, uh, the lady from the lady from Harry Potter. I can't think of her name right now. Uh, Min Hermione. Well, yeah, the lady that plays Hermione, uh, Ezra Miller, and then uh, what was the other guy's name? Let me look it up. Percy I'm really Jackson. Bad at, yeah, Percy Jackson. Um, Logan Lerman. Lo, like uh, Logan Lerman. Logan Lerman. Ezra uh, Ezra Miller and Emma Watson. So Dang, they're all in it. I. I know I, I kind of forced Ben to watch it uh, just because I wanted to talk about it with someone. But I, I genuinely liked Perks of Being a Wallflower. It was corny at times and a bit cringy. But I think the ending, how it how – it, like it's a very unexpected ending. And it, like it surprised me. And then I think there was a message in throughout uh, that I thought was a very important message about like – taking care of yourself and you know never being afraid like to ask for help and stuff like that and i i at movies that i think take that risk of talking about i really respect and i thought so i think that was a big reason why i like perks of being a wallflower that to the point where i could overlook its cringiness at times uh the second thing i watched was another thing i was like really looking forward to it's not a movie or a show it was crystal leah's new stand-up special special new uh no pain i haven't laughed that hard in a long time the ending the last like ending skitty has about like a drive-by i was crying laughing the entire time uh and then i watched uh euphoria the hbo show with zendaya uh i loved it i can't wait for season two i don't really have many to complain about that the coloring in that show is phenomenal i mean euphoria was 
it was better than I expected it to be. It was still a bit overdramatic at times, and I'm not really sure if I like uh, any of the characters, but overall, it's a really well-done show, and I can't wait for season two. I then watched Portrait of a Lady on Fire, a French film that I think definitely should have been up for Best Picture this year, but I guess you can only have one foreign film, but it was a, it was beautifully shot. Uh, the plot was, albeit slow, but it was still super interesting, and like it, a lot like parasite every no shot felt wasted and it really kept me in with the bright colors and the sound the sound design and stuff so that was really good uh and then uh i restarted that 70s show which is a show that i it's i love i think my my favorite show is uh the office bear and then I, I have a lot of favorite shows but uh that 70s show is is up there with one that i can just keep coming to when i get bored like when i have nothing else to watch just because I, I never get tired of it and then i started i watched episode one through four of uh the espn 30 for 30 the last dance about the 1998 chicago bulls so jake what'd you watch yeah so f- for movies i only watched two this month i watched parasite of course and the other one i watched was inspired by ben's top five movie list scott pilgrim versus the world it definitely wasn't my favorite movie of all time but it was, it was good and it was funny not number one ben <laughs> um, I, I went joe Mankey with that one sorry shout out manks <laughs> <laughs> friend of the program <laughs> so for tv i've watched a ton um this month so I've watched I watched season one through six of Community, and it is without a doubt my favorite sitcom of all time now, and probably really a top five show of all time for me. And it's, it's, it's wait, you like it more than The Simpsons? I don't count it's The Simpsons. Real life sitcom. Okay. Simpsons is a sitcom, but it's animated. Yeah. Simpsons is still my favorite show. That was also on the list. As always, I watched a few episodes of that. Um, I, wa- I watched Atlanta. I'm about halfway through season two, written by Donald Glover, starring Donald Glover. It's it's incredible. It's so funny. It's lit. Um, I watched Barry, as discussed last episode on the show. Uh, I watched Nathan for You, which we should definitely review at some point. Very mm-hmm. underrated rea- reality TV show, making fun of reality TV shows, written by Nathan Fielder. I watched a couple episodes of Seinfeld, classic sitcom, and the the highlight of the month, Beat Bobby Flay. I've been watching a lot of Food Network. <laughs> Beat Bobby Flay. Oh, and then also the second category, my I watched two documentaries. Obviously, the first four episodes of Last Dance on ESPN, starring Michael Jordan, and it's a so far to this point, it's a very well done documentary. I can't wait. For the next six episodes, and I watched the we'll Central be, Park Five. We'll be covering the Last Dance, won't we? Yeah, we. Once the Last Dance is airs all ten episodes, we're probably gonna do a, a large review of the ten episodes. With special guest Isaac Dyke. <laughs> Just thought it was mediocre. <laughs> but Should've I also. I also watched the Central Park Five, a Ken Burns documentary about. Mm-hmm the the biggest crime of the 20th central century in new york city it's a it's a well well done documentary we had to watch it for a video production class uh 
Oh, there was a Netflix did a show about that, didn't they? Yeah, that got released like a year or two ago. All right, that a lot of people I heard that watched that show said they couldn't watch it again just because it was that like disturbing of like just the events that happened, you know? Yeah, it it's brutal. Mm-hmm. And one more thing that I forgot to mention, I've been watching Star Wars Clone Wars. The the middle of season seven was kind of brutal and carried on way too long, but they're finally into like the main storyline and it's it's really good and it it's a fitting ending for a series that deserves a good one. Mm-hmm. Have you been watching the new one? Yeah. How is it? So the first, there's pretty much been three arcs in all of the Clone Wars, but the first one was good and entertaining, but it didn't really like tie into anything. The Ahsoka arc was just brutal. I, I stopped watching for a couple weeks just because like the Ahsoka arc was so boring but this new one that involves Darth Maul is incredible. So that's like the main storyline that ties everything together and with the movies. Man, I love Star Wars. Star Wars is so dope. Especially yeah. the movies, the new ones. <laughs> okay, it's crazy. so I, I, re- I really like Solo, and then I love Rogue One. But the like their main like uh, storyline, like the Skywalker storyline, I just... I, I, I don't know. I just can't get behind it. I think it's boring. Even like the original trilogy? Well, no. Like, no, I'm, I mean, I mean the new three The sequels? Movies. Okay, yeah. I'll be honest. I love the prequels. I don't care that, I don't care how big of a rap they get. I still enjoy watching the prequels. I, I love watching the prequels. I don't love the prequels, though, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I get it. But I don't know the new three. If I'm watching like the entire franchise, I'll probably watch them. But I just I don't know. The, like the Rise of Skywalker was awful. I hated it. Yeah, I, Force Awakens is like the only like the only one I enjoy. And I just feel still, like it's still so such better. like a it's a repeat of in a nostalgia grab. I feel like there's just so many like ways they could have taken taken the storyline to make it seem interesting and like wrap up the original like storyline like the Skywalker storyline, but I just I I hated the ending. I just didn't like it. They wasted all. Adam Driver. Dude, I love Adam Driver, and Adam they Driver just killed was, him off. Adam Driver Boy, was was the best part of like the entire trilogy by far, but it's uh-huh. still he still wasn't enough to make the sequels like. Sure, they're enjoyable, but to live up to the original trilogy it, it just wasn't even close i think all the acting was good i think john boyega was good as finn i think daisy ridley was good as ray i just don't i i i don't blame the actors i blame the writers oh yeah jj uh, abrams ryan johnson for how they how they did the i just don't think they did a good job i i tend to agree well we got all, a little off topic towards the end but it was it was a good time discussing parasite the once again, the 2020 Oscar Best Picture winner. If you haven't seen it yet, highly recommend. And uh, we will catch you next week for Jake Brand, Alex Powell, and Ben Neeson. This is the Turbo Team Podcast. Don't play our social medias. Oh, yeah, we can do that. All right. You can follow me on Instagram at AlexPXWell and at on Twitter at Alex30Powell. You can follow me, JakeBrand32, on Instagram and Twitter jbren32 on snapchat 
And follow me at Nathan Davis Jr. on TikTok. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Ben. Yep. Dude, I hate Nathan Davis Jr. Keep this part in. I hate that guy. If he's listening, <laughs> we're going to fight him. <laughs> Pull up, dog. For the Turbo Team podcast, <laughs> goodbye. <laughs>